Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All righty then, let's start off podcast 420, Maximize Your Influence, Kurt Morrison here. What is the difference between sales, persuasion, negotiation? Are they different tools, different tools for different times? Absolutely, they're very different. Now, some of the tools overlap, but a lot of these tools we only use for negotiation and too many people in influence and sales use the wrong tools at the wrong time for the wrong method. Is it persuasion, influence, negotiation? They're all different, different tools for different times. We're going to cover that, so stay tuned. Hope everything's going awesome for you. My training this week is focused on how to persuade under the radar. Because as you know, the moment somebody says you can try to persuade them, even though they need it, want to like it, could afford it, they're going to resist you. I mean, think about it. Have you ever been to a meeting? Where you knew they were going to persuade you, you're like, no, not today, not on my watch, not going to happen. And they persuaded you on everything? What if you had those Jedi mind tricks and knew how to persuade people under the radar? It's like that persuasion spray we've talked about. Think about the power. He says, we'll take it all. Can I refer all my family, friends, and neighbors? (laughs) I'm not saying it's that easy, but these are tools that you can pick up. Understanding mindset, subconscious triggers, and what's changed in the world of persuasion and influence. So let's dive in. Let's start off this week with the persuasion, not the blunder, the ninja. You know, a lot of times in seminars, people ask, well, what do people know? And they know the tools and techniques, and they can sense what's happening. Now, there's two pieces of this. Now, when someone just feels persuaded, backed into a corner, manipulated, it's going to backfire on you. But when you have a really knowledgeable salesperson persuader and you do things the right way i've seen for the most part that they appreciate those tools that you're doing it the right way not the cheesy high lactose backfire in your face tools but when you do it the right way a great persuader is going to appreciate that so this happened to me no soliciting i've always wanted to sign even on my business said please solicit because i love people that come knocking on my door just to see what they're doing because it takes a pretty tenacious soul to be able to do that. If there were people come to my business and solicit, I offer them a job. If they're willing to go door-to-door, handle that rejection, they've got something that most people don't. Now, I haven't been able to convince those around me to have a please solicit sign, so we just have no sign at all. And here comes the knock. And I had a window, an opportunity to open the door, and there was this gentleman with a big smile. All right. Got to give points for the smile. And another set of points for the proximity or the space. Because some people get right there in your face. You open the door. You're like, whoa, too close, too much, too fast. He kind of had his shoulders angled. Feet were also angled away. Probably about five, six feet away. A couple steps down. And he says, you know, do you live here? Foot the door. That's the first yes. The basic questions. Great. You asked me what I did for a living. I said sales trainer, which is a lot of fun for me because that tends to change the conversation a little bit, but it didn't phase him at all. Went with it, talked about it, not rattled by my objections. And I loved his social validation. So he's selling windows. And he says, yeah, Mr. I'll just say Jones, three doors down, you know him? Yeah. 
They're going to put in new windows. We just signed the contract and felt the need to come over here. Didn't say that Mr. Jones recommended it, just said he felt the need. I thought that was pretty interesting. And not just scarcity, not just the cheesy sell-ins today, but there was a reason. You know, we're only choosing two neighbors. And if we're going to give you a 20% discount for putting a sign in your yard. And it was great. Great presentation. Wanted to come in. I said, we just had our windows done. He said, well, I noticed that on the upper part of your house, you haven't done those yet. I go, well, maybe in the future, but we just had these all done right here. He said, and here's the great one. He gave me an option. And we know options are always more persuasive than telling somebody what to do. He asked me, is it something you might do in the future? I said, well, probably. We're thinking about it. I'm not sure when. He says, well, great. Do you want to take one of my cards or have me call you in six months? <laughs> and I took a card. And I'm seriously considering it. It might be an option. But it was just a simple yes. Probably didn't care if I took the card or call. I mean, either way, he's, the door is open. He could probably stop by in another six months. He knows that I'm interested. I have the card. It's actually on the fridge. We love it when it's done right. Now, it also depends on mood. Obviously, if someone's caught you off guard, you're busy, things are happening, food on the stove, kids crying, whatever it is, mood matters in this situation. It depends how they catch you, when they catch you, and that'll trump great sales and persuasion skills anytime. But when people aren't rushed, they're in a decent mood, that changes the game. So that is the Ninja of the Week. 10 points or whatever the points are. Let's say 82 points for you. Good job. And of course, we can't forget the geeky scholarly article. Coming from the Journal of School of Medicine, the Journal of Science, and the Washington School of Medicine about hugs, that it's a chemical messenger, that it changed the game. And we've talked quite a bit about touch on this podcast. And they were looking at mice. Why mice? I don't know, but it's usually mice. And they identified this neural circuit, which is called a neuropeptide. And a neuropeptide is basically a chemical messenger that goes from nerve cell to nerve cell and sends signals. And they found that this neural circuit transmitted a sensation that came from pleasant touch from the skin to the brain. So there's hugs, hand-holding, caressing, massages, all trigger psychological boosts known to be important to emotional well-being and healthy development. Let me just say time out here. We know with COVID, some people aren't touching. They're not holding hands. They're not shaking hands. It's changed the game a little bit. Some people are pretty freaked out about that. And some were just, for some people, just how they grew up, they're not big with the touching. I know, let's put that aside. Just most humans, most cultures, like to be touched for the most part, especially in mammals. I mean, we see animals groom each other. We see the hugging, the kissing, the touching. We know that a great massage can reduce pain and stress, increase relaxation. But they also found that the mice that weren't used to the touch didn't have a normal reaction to other stimuli. Because if they can't do that, it hurts their social interactions and their mental health. Interesting. Maybe that's some people you know. They also found that mice that didn't get that touch near birth had more stress, more social avoidance, which really hurt them in adulthood. And that's true. We've heard that before with the studies with babies not being held, not being touched, same type of thing. So we look at mammals like dogs. Mothers lick their pups. They groom each other. Helps them bond. Better emotions, better sleep, and less stress. Versus when they're not used to that, they're withdrawn and tend to be isolated. 
So think about it. There is something about touch. I know we have to be careful now. We know a handshake can connect you with people that can repel you with people real fast. We know in clothing stores, if you get touched, you shop more. Waiters and waiters that touch. I can rattle off the studies. So it's true. It's there. It depends on the relationship. It depends on the culture. It depends on their upbringing. But when you could do it the right way at the right time, ooh, connection under the radar, releases chemical in the brains, they like you more, and it opens the doors to influence. Just saying, put it out there. Kind of an interesting study to tell us what we already knew. Okay, <laughs> so there you go. I'll put that link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's the place for everything. To take your free Persuasion IQ assessment, to get the free book, the new edition of Maxim Influence, just pick up a little shipping and handling, access to Influence University, and all the contact information, product services, yada, yada, right there, one spot. There's your plug. Now, we're going to go to listener email. Oh, boy! And they get the free gold version of Influence University. This is Alejandro from Brazil. I'm not sure which part. He says, thanks for the 111 sales hacks. But note that's one of our advanced training programs. Just a three-minute video every day with a new technique. Why it works and how to use it. He says, I appreciate your saying that we all sell for a living. And I do too. I'm a sales manager. And I had a question about the difference between persuasion and negotiation. And which one should I teach first? Which one should I focus on for some of my sales representatives? All right, let's address it. Let's talk about it. Selling, persuasion, influence, negotiation are all great tools for everyone to master. Whether you're in leadership, management, life, parent, doesn't matter. They're all great skills. So let's just break it down. Persuasion and influence, you bring someone to your point of view. Negotiations, give, take, give, take, and meet in the middle. All right. Now, persuasion is a little more active. It's what you do when you say some of the laws of persuasion. Influence is more of who you are. It works when you're not there. But both of those, you're bringing them to your point of view. You've got the buy-in. You've got the change. Now, negotiation, you probably have two seasoned managers, leaders, salespeople, where they're trying to persuade each other. That turns to negotiation. Now, where people blow it, this is the first thing to learn, especially in sales. You persuade first, you negotiate second. Too many people We've talked about this. Go to negotiation too fast. Let's meet in the middle. Okay, quicker, easier, and faster. Sure, I'm with you on that one. But you could have persuaded them. You could have got better terms. You got there too fast. Now, if it doesn't matter, you don't care. That's one thing. And actually, we've had Chris Voss on the podcast. He said something very similar. Now, his background, he used to be the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. Okay? And he would say, if there's a hostage situation, there's 10 hostages, they can't say, oh, let's meet in the middle. You take five, I'll keep five, we'll call it a day. See, on that point, you have to persuade. If you want to negotiate the meal for the evening or the getaway car, that's fine. But at that point, you need to persuade. So hopefully most of the time, you don't need the negotiation training. I would stick with the persuasion and sales skills. But when you need some of these skills, you need them. We'll talk about it. So how do you know? Well, if the client's happy, they've accepted you as the expert, you don't need to go to negotiation. Now, when you're at a roadblock and you're sensing they're not accepting it, you might need to go to negotiation. See, with selling, you identify their needs and wants and you have the solution. Then you know you're on the right track. You've agreed on what the next steps are. You've agreed who the decision makers are. Again, they've accepted you as the expert and both parties agree to the terms of the deal. This is a good deal and everyone's happy. Now, with negotiation, 
It's usually some type of brick wall that they've hit mentally. They want a trade or concession. They don't believe the value. You've blown your presentation, haven't built the value, so they don't think it's worth what you say it's worth. They might have a list of demands. They might want a different agreement or change the agreement or go against the agreement. And it starts to look like a win-lose situation. So let's talk about some skills here. But let's hit a foundational note before we do. The win-win. We've heard the win-win. And win-wins can be good. And it's not always the case. Sometimes it's win or like, well, okay, that's decent. <laughs> but where people tend to blow it is they think win-win means equal splits, and that's not true. Win-win could mean you get 10%, they get 90%. It depends on the situation in which you're negotiating. So come prepared, especially if you're expecting negotiation. Negotiation takes a lot more preparation time than sales. Now, you still want to prepare with sales, but with negotiation, you have to get in their shoes. What are they thinking? How do you make the pie bigger? What are some potential concessions? It takes a lot more preparation time because we know in negotiation, you're going to pay with your preparation time or lost money. I mean, that's the rule. That's how it goes. And remember, too, you have to come to play the game. Now, somebody's like, well, I don't want to play. You go high, I go low. You go high, I go low. Hey, if they've come to play the game and you don't play the game, you're going to lose the game because mentally they're going to think you've taken advantage of them. That was too easy or that was too hard or why aren't they playing? What do they know that I don't know could all have that roadblock? So make sure that as you prepare that you have a list of concessions, things you're willing to give up. Make them work for it. You know, have a list. Put the value on them. That's worth a 1000 That's worth $500. I'd order them as far as the ones you really don't care about to the ones you really care about. And always with concession, they ask for one, you ask for one back. Get some sleep. Make sure you're in the right state. There's no secret that being in the right state makes you more influential, a better negotiator. Know the rule of negotiation that only one person angry at a time, and it shouldn't be you. Okay. If you want to know more about dealing with anger, go back to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. We address that one with emotional intelligence. And know your numbers. Know your win. It's an acronym for what you want, what you intended, what you need. Best case scenario, this is where I'm starting. Really, in the middle is what I intend, and here's the worst case scenario, this is where I walk. And that's one of the key things and a big difference between sales and negotiation. Willing to walk, it's Okay. That's a great tool many times. I'm walking. I'm leaving. I need to think about it. I need to see. Obviously, we're not going to come to an agreement today. Is all part of that. So those are some basic basics. You want to take a deeper dive, build the relationship. It's good for sales and negotiation. Harvard study did find that if you start friendly, you start nice, you do it right, you have a 4% bump that you're going to have success. Not much, 4%, a little bit. But if everything you do adds 2% here, 4% here, 6% here, you can see the more tools you have in your toolbox, the more success that you're going to have. Now, old school persuaders are still taught to be mean and they have their RBF, that angry face. They're going to say no to everything you say till they get three, four, maybe five no's out of the way before they start thinking about it. Even if they're happy with the deal, they're going to say no. Is that the best you can do? Come on, you got to do better than that because they come to play the game. So if you give them your best offer and you have nowhere to go and they're saying they're two or three no's, there's nowhere to go. That's why you have to give them somewhere to go play the game. And I mentioned earlier that one of the keys is what are the alternatives? Do they have a better idea than you do? How do you make the pie bigger? What are some other alternatives? If someone's asking for a raise, they want more money, more money. Well, okay, we can't do that. Are there other alternatives? Maybe it's a health membership. Maybe it's a car. 
Maybe it's more vacation time. Maybe you'd work on a project you've always wanted. Maybe fill in the blank. Some people get so stuck on more money, more money, more money, where the reality is maybe their hands are tied and there's other options that they can do. Is it stock options? Is it a bigger expense account? You see where we're going with here? Because too many people fight on the position. More money, more money, more money. What's the real issue here? Maybe their friend who works in similar industries making 10000 more than they are, and they're all emotionally hurt. Or they did research on the internet, or they heard somebody in another department, or somebody at home is needing more money, or the bills are piling up so high they can't think clearly, or maybe they have a kid going to college, or someone crashed the car. There's other issues here. Find out what the real issues are. Why do they want that raise? Why do they fill in the blank? Whatever it is that you do can be very beneficial to what you do. Now, the thing that's same with both, you have to be able to value, obviously. But interesting about negotiation is, all right, who's going first? Because old school negotiations, oh, you can't go first, you can't go first. Now, maybe you don't want to go first, you haven't done your research, you're not sure what to do. But if they're not going first, they've been to the same school you've been to, <laughs> read the same book that you did, it's okay to go first if you just get permission to insult. All right, I'll go first. I don't know, my research, I'm 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 see, I'm not sure if I want to go first this time. You promise you won't be insulted? And <laughs> then go first. So permission to insult. Come out with that first number. Again, it's okay to go first. You're setting the anchor of the whole negotiation and building trust. Try to let them know where the number's coming from, that you've done your research, that this is the standard, so it doesn't sound like you're pulling out of the air. Again, odd numbers here are more persuasive than even numbers. Those are things to think about when you're going through that. But I want you to just get a different mindset. Negotiation has changed. There's some still old school negotiators out there that are using what I call the dirty deeds, those dark psychological tricks. And again, that's an archive thing if you want to take a look at that. But stay in control. Understand your emotions. Use your emotional intelligence to read their emotions. And those are the big differences. And those are some key things. Now, another difference is, which could overlap with sales and negotiation, you especially when you're adversaries and they're playing the game and, and you're staring each other down, is just solve the easiest issues first. I would have a list before you even go of all the things you need to solve. Too many people go right to price, which is usually the hardest thing. And no, 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 right? They've put their foot down. No way. Let's start with the easiest issues first. When do you need to have this delivered? Okay, September 1st, done. Yes. Oh, hey, the next yes is easier. Have you ever studied sequential request? What color do you want? Blue. Yes, right? See what we're doing here? Easiest issues first. And if you ever hit one, you're getting a lot of resistance, use the set aside. Let's set that aside for now and come back to it later. So there you go. Those are the differences. Of course, there's some overlap. But there are some unique differences. Just remember, please, persuade first. Influence first, negotiate second. If you need to, you have to use some of these tools. You have to be more prepared. And there's different things that you're preparing to make sure you become a power negotiator. Because most sales situations should not require negotiations. Hopefully you got that. That's the non-sugar-coated version. That's how it works. So that wraps us up for the week as we talked about the difference between persuasion and negotiation. Still running the special on your Presentation IQ. Go to PresentationIQ.com. 10 questions. Doesn't take that long. Helps you with my research. Helps identify your strengths and your weaknesses. So it helps you with my research. Helps you understand what you're doing well, what you can improve on. And for doing that, I will give you my training on the perfect 
persuasive presentation, the videos, the templates, the things you need to do to get going. Instead of just communicating, you're charismatic. Instead of just presenting, you're persuading. Go to presentationiq.com, take the assessment, find your strengths and the areas we need to work on, get the template, watch the video, and it's going to change the game for you. But again, tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio under Maximize Your Influence. Send me an email, Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Understand the difference between persuasion and influence and negotiation. Become a great negotiator and go out and persuade with power.